This is the Creative Agency Podcast, where we explore the strategies, aspirations, methods, and mistakes behind growing and maintaining a successful creative agency. Hello out there, and welcome to another episode of the Creative Agency Podcast. My name is Chris Bolton. I have a very exciting guest today, Jared Mursky of Wick and Mortar. But first, I'd like to remind everyone of our Grow Your Agency Slack group. It's over 300 people strong, and it's actually where I met Jared. So you know that there are some amazing agency owners participating, and you should be too. So just go to creativeagencypodcast.com, and you can sign up for free. No strings, just share what you've learned, and others will return the favor. All right, so I have Jared Mursky on the line, founder of cannabis-focused agency Wick & Mortar. Welcome to the show, Jared. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Excited. Of course. So um, you've got more press than just about any other agency owner that I've interviewed so far. Um, Wick and Mortar have been featured in um, over 15 magazines, including Forbes and Entrepreneur Media, CNN Money, Huffington Post, GeekWire, WeWork, The Die Line, High Times Magazine, Dope Magazine, and others. Um, do you actually have time to run an agency with all the awards and speaking engagements? <laughs> I, You know, it's... It is challenging, but, you know, I think the thing that I spent most time building was my infrastructure. So that way I could hire really good leadership to help do the things that I was doing for so long. And so it's it's nice to have a really strong team with a good company culture that ultimately gives me the ability to do those things. So it was a challenge, but, you know, uh, building my personal brand was probably one of the, uh, you know, smartest things I think I could have done at such an early time, um, you know, in the cannabis space. Well, that's right. And you started, um, early, you started when you were 19, um, uh, started your first agency, I guess. Can you talk a little bit about how that came about? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, the company was called, uh, you know, Mersky media. Um, I was primarily working with, uh, you know, nightclubs and small businesses. And so, um, you know, I started meeting a lot of these, uh, you know, companies, uh, these dispensary owners, drug dealers, if you want to call them that, <laughs> you know, at, uh, you know, at the night through the nightlife scene. And so ultimately they knew I was working with these nightclubs and certainly thought that it might be a, an interesting parallel to engage with me and, and Mersky media. And what I realized is I had, what, basically, what I realized is when I had you know three to four you know dispensary clients, I, I was starting to realize that there was something here, and I was like, okay, well, you know, a friend of mine always told me that if I had an opportunity to create a niche-focused agency, I should, um, and so that was kind of like my aha moment, and and so you know, online marijuana design was born, and um, I know that's not a creative name, but it was chosen out of necessity. You know, as I mentioned earlier, the companies that or I should say the dispensaries that lived in the industry at the time I started, which was in cannabis 10 years ago, you know, these, these business owners, so to speak, didn't really have much of a business acumen. And mm -hmm. given the fact that, uh, you know, online marijuana design ranked well in search engines at the time, it really worked well with respect to, you know, conveying exactly what we did to who we were speaking to. And there were really no ancillary businesses that existed much then. In other words, you know, uh, hydroponic shops, high times and, and us. Um, and so, you know, it was, uh, it was just really an interesting time. So needless to say, about two years ago, we then rebranded to Wick and Mortar. And so, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of how we started. Um, 
What was your skill set that you sort of brought when you first started out? What were you offering as far as um, agency services? Mainly just graphic design. You know, that was all I really did at that time because, you know, I'm a designer myself. I don't do much of it anymore, actually any of it anymore. But, um, you know, it was something that I understood very well. And so, uh, you know, as the company started to grow, I started getting into, you know, web development um, where I was a front end web developer. And then I started started hiring people. In fact, you know, most people hate Yelp, but Yelp was probably one of the most effective uh, marketing tools for me ever. Uh, when I started Mersky Media, I was working with, as I said, a bunch of promoters. And so they uh, started giving me a lot of reviews once I put myself on Yelp. And before I knew it, I was the highest ranked agency, one person agency <laughs> in all of Seattle over every, uh, and web, or for branding and web design. So it was uh, interesting. I mean, it sounds like you got into the cannabis niche pretty early. Were you offering mm -hmm. um, services to all kinds of businesses in the beginning or did it? It was mainly just, it was just dispensaries at first. You know, cultivators didn't want to be known or found. You know, they remained in the shadows during the time we started. They didn't want to be branded. You know, they were growing cannabis illegally. Right. So, um, you know, this, this dispensaries were really our only, you know, client base at the time. And really the only companies we felt like we could provide the most creative services to. You also have to remember at that time, you know, there was no investment capital coming into the industry. So the budgets that people had weren't like traditional businesses today. More importantly, you know, there was no banking infrastructure for these businesses to function mm -hmm. with. So there was just a huge, huge mess, you know, but we did the best we could to kind of understand the market and, and the client base and really, uh, you know, how to make it work. Gotcha. Did you find you were, because of smaller budgets, you were working with a lot of different businesses at the same time? Um, oh, yeah. I mean, we, I mean, even today, we, we generally have around, you know, 15 to 25 active mm -hmm. clients, you know, at a, at a time. Um, and that's not even including the clients. We're, and that's just branding, you know, and that's not including the companies we're doing marketing for. Um, given that we don't just do branding, we also do, uh, you know, marketing, digital marketing and all sorts of forms of, uh, of advertising. How many uh, employees do you have right now? Uh, we have 15 full-time and then about 25, 30 subcontractors. What are the subcontractors sub usually used for? Mm, you know, photography services or, you know, copywriting, um, very specific marketing things and pieces we may need. So usually, usually things you don't do in-house? Correct. So we keep all the creative in-house, all the senior staff, all of the leaderships in-house. Uh, the main things that we typically outsource, like, you know, we've got, you know, we've got our web dev department, um, you know, we've, uh, our director of development, Jay, he, uh, is a, you know, developer himself, but we've got, you know, a team overseas to handle all of the development aspects of, you know, any, any project we run through there. Um, but all of the design is done in house. So what, uh, talk a little bit more about your, your team structure. What is sort of the, the leadership, um, on down look like? So uh, we've got our, uh, you know, me as CEO, and then we've got Kirk, our director of operations, and then we've got um, uh, Kate, our director of marketing. Um, we've got Derek, our uh, creative director. We've got James, who does, uh, he's our director of brand partnerships. And then we've got Omkar, who is uh, director of account services. Uh, and then we have Trisha, our marketing manager, digital marketing manager. And then we have, let's see, um, Kellen Jules, um, uh, Kyle. We just hired so many new people, so I'm just trying to 
Yeah, uh, yeah, no problem. And, and those are designers. And then we've got Lisa. She does, uh, you know, accounting. And then, gosh, Bryce, uh, project manager. Um, and I feel like I'm forgetting some Oleg, director of photography. Uh, yeah, so, I mean, we've got you know, we've, we've got a pretty good-sized team. And, and, of course, you know, we've got oh, Kate Manson. I think I may have mentioned her already. Um, she's our, uh, yeah, marketing director. Uh, but, yeah, we've good, good, good team. Um, feels good. Everyone's been in this space for a while. They come from, you know, traditional backgrounds as well as cannabis. James, for example, used to be, or came from Dope Magazine. He's one of the co-founders. You know, they sold Dope Magazine to High Times. Wow. That's awesome. You, you mentioned having a director of operations. I've always been curious. So, you know, I, I don't see that many agencies with a director of operations, but I know it's a very common role in, in businesses. Um, how, what does that role sort of look like in, um, in an agency setting? Oh, my gosh. Well, like you mentioned earlier, I am incredibly busy, you know, speaking and, you know, doing all the things. And so, you know, having him has been incredibly instrumental in the growth of Wick and Mortar, you know, being a niche focused creative marketing agency, it's, you know, important to note that, you know, developing an infrastructure in order to scale is, uh, you know, what's needed if I'm ever going to sell my company in the next three to five years. Mm -hmm. So I think it also, you have to ask yourself, you know, are you building a company to sell or are you building a legacy brand, right? Mm -hmm. And I knew that when I built when I was building my company, I was going to be a legacy brand, but I also realized that, you know, there are more opportunities for me out there. And while I love Wick and Mortar, it is my baby. I'll always be involved in Wick and Mortar, even after I sell it. But nonetheless, I just realized that the infrastructure was uh, crucial. And you know, that's really how uh, Kurt plays a role in that, uh, making sure that, you know, operationally, you know, as we develop, you know, new, um, you know, uh, arms of Wick and Mortar, whether it's, you know, our PR arm or our sourcing arm or, um, you know, the dev side or whatever we, whatever, whatever area we, we you know, start to, to build, not to mention all the subsidiaries that we create, um, the products that we're designing, the internal brands we're building for ourselves. Um, you know, that, that requires a lot of, uh, you know, operations. Well, that's cool. Um, you mentioned developing products in-house. Is, is that sort of something you guys are working on now or something you want to work on in the future? Um, it's something that we are working on now and it's, you know, it's something that we're going to be working on in the future as well. You know, we've collected a lot of intellectual property over the last few years, as far as what we think we can use to fill gaps in the cannabis industry. Mm -hmm. um, so there's just a lot of opportunities that we see. And because we're an agency that doesn't just work with, you know, um, cannabis brands that touch the plant, but rather all kinds of companies ranging from, you know, tech to science, you know, it's, uh, really given us, uh, an awesome opportunity to kind of have our hands in everything, but more importantly, be that kind of hub that connects people with other people. And so it's like, you know, I don't want to say we broker deals because we don't, we just, we broker right. relationships. We connect people to people. And then we become that, that we become that brand or that person that's unforgettable because we were able to help them establish a relationship or place them in a awesome job or whatever the case may be. Yeah, that's kind of one of the cool things about being so niche is getting to know an industry so well that you become part of the fabric in a way. One of the earlier interviews I did was with a company that um, that uh, was really into the coffee industry and you know they know everything about coffee and they can talk shop with just about anybody in the industry and they have that similar sort of that similar sort of advantage with their clients of of living and breathing and and knowing just about as much as their as their clients do about the subject matter exactly i mean it's uh i mean it's, it's really interesting you know my um one of my team members goes jared you know i've never heard 
anyone, you know, any salesperson, I don't, I don't like to call myself a salesperson, but this is what he said to me. I never heard any, any salesperson talk on the phone as much as you do without letting, <laughs> letting them talk. And I'm like, well, they, they, they come to us because, you know, they want consulting, mm-hmm. right? Um, they come to us because they, they understand that they are not the experts in cannabis, given how complex the industry really is. And so, you know, they want to hear me talk because I'm giving them constant insight into what they can do and, and how they can grow and how to, how they can remain sustainable. And, you know, Hey, this idea is good or Hey, this idea is not good because X, Y, and Z. And so me being able to quickly give advice to people to help them avoid making perhaps costly mistakes, if that's, that's priceless. And so, you know, we really pride ourselves on providing not only real solutions to take brands to market in an, in an impactful way, but uh, business intelligence, right? Understanding, um, you know, how to be a good brand owner and how to position your brand in this complex market. What are some of the services that you that you offer? What is the sort of, you know, what what are you mostly selling to um, cannabis brands? Um, I mean, generally, it's it's full branding packages, um, and then of course, those are followed by uh, you know, marketing campaigns. So generally we're kind of taking the client through a full circle. And because we also have so many strategic partners, if there's really something that we can't do, we'll find somebody that can do it for them. And, uh, what about, what about your pricing? Um, what is your pricing based on and, um, and how do you sort of scope projects? Um, you know, value-based pricing is how we typically approach, you know, the brand identity and packaging and, and website, um, you know, and then when it comes to, you know, uh, you know, other services that I call them brand extensions or tertiary services, you know, we tend to look at those as mm-hmm. perhaps more retainer based. Um, so it varies. Um, you know, I would certainly say we're probably the most expensive branding agency in the cannabis industry mm-hmm. that has a focus on it. Um, but it's also because what, again, our clients get that they don't from other agencies is the relationships and connections. Right. So if you were looking to bring a brand to market and you wanted uh, to get linked up with, you know, various different distribution partners in California, well, would you know who to go to or would you know how to find them? Probably not. So if we're able to give you access to that relationship after we've completed the branding process, or should I say the, you know, the, the brand building process, um, you know, that's invaluable. That's, that's, you know, that's go to market, Absolutely. make money right away kind of thing, you know? Uh, and that's invaluable. I mean, the amount of time they may have to spend could take six months to a year to build up the amount of traction that we can give them, you know, with a phone call. Do you ever accept equity in companies as part of payment? We do actually. Um, although to avoid, uh, you know, opportunity cost loss, you, we will still, you know, take the client through, you know, the full branding exercises and there's no you know discount there, but because we, uh, you know, my name also looks good mm-hmm. on a pitch deck. <laughs> Companies really like to, you know, to, to have us as, uh, you know, have me and or, you know, our, the advisory consulting arm of Wick and Mortar as, you know, part of their, um, you know, part of their company. Um, they understand that the value we bring not only with the brand that we have and the name that we have attached to that brand, but the advice that we give and perhaps the connections. Because even though they may be done with branding, that doesn't mean that I'm going to have the time to spend an hour or half hour every week with someone who as much as I may like you, I, I don't have that kind of time if there's no skin in the game. Right. And as much as I love connecting people, 
um, it, it's hard to do that with thousands of people on a regular basis. So, so I have to be extremely mindful of how I spend my time. And so a lot of the brands that we you know, bring on that we think are going to do something really big, you know, we definitely take you know, a different approach to developing that relationship than we would with perhaps you know, a standard branding project. Interesting. So, so yeah, and then, and then, you know, those, uh, you know, have layers to them, of course. So if there's PR that we're implementing into the agreement as part of the equity buy-in, um, it's advisory or consulting. Cause we kind of look at those as two different things. You know, consulting is executional. There's things that we have to actually execute on is where, you know, advisory is just, Hey, I'm going to talk to you 30 day, uh, you know, for 30 minutes, once a week or, you know, once a month or, you know, and so that's a little bit different. So we're, we're building in kind of our own legend in terms of how we want to create different types of, you know, equity packages. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Totally. And that makes sense to sort of that consulting aspect, especially given how, how connected you guys are and how that would be valuable. How, how fast would, are you guys growing year over year? Um, pretty fast. You know, we did about two and a half million last year. Um, we're poised to do eight to 10 this year. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, big spike. We've, uh, you know, after the rebranding from online marijuana design, aka OMD agency, to now Wick and Mortar, um, we've seen a massive increase. But also, given the fact that Jeff Sessions is no longer in office, it's definitely made people feel a lot more safe and comfortable with respect to, you know, investing and getting involved in the cannabis industry. And then, as new states come online our opportunities increase, Yeah. right? As new countries come online, our opportunities increase. So until the entire world is recreationally legal, um, it's at that point we may see maybe a little bit of slowdown, but that's highly unlikely. Um, and because we're the, you know, the, the oldest and longest running and largest cannabis focused branding agency in the world, you know, we often get first right of refusal when it comes to some of these you know, bigger players, you know, we, we worked with Aurora Cannabis, um, you know, they're five and a half billion dollar company out of Canada, and, you know, we're working with smaller farmers too. So, you know, we have a really large range of, you know, people we touch. How, you know, with your reputation and, and being connected to the industry, are you fielding a lot of leads and, and how do you sort of manage that incoming um, inquiries and stuff like that? Oh man, every time I post something on LinkedIn, I swear I get like 20 or 30 new leads or opportunities <laughs> of some sort. So it, it's, it's tough because I'm, I'm really engaged in my LinkedIn community and even on Instagram. And so, um, from a personal perspective, you know, it does get pretty time consuming. It can take me a week to reply to people on LinkedIn sometimes because I just get so many messages, but I do it personally because it's more authentic and I want people to know I'm a real person. And it's those things, that personal touch that I think most business owners forget to remember is so important to the people on the other end, right? Mm -hmm. Knowing that you care. I mean, we are so incredibly passionate about what we do, which is why people come to us because they trust us, right? And so when you look at, you know, these really large agencies, um, as great and as good as they may be, you know, they just don't care nearly as much about cannabis as somebody who's incredibly focused on it. So what you're seeing is a huge trend start to happen with respect to, you know, these big companies starting to you know, hire these smaller boutique agencies that are focused on niche specifics, right? And so, you know, that's been, that's been really helpful. But to, to answer your question in another way, you know, we, we also rank, you know, on the first page of Google for pretty much most of the keywords we are, you know, we seek. And, and so, uh, you know, we've got, you know, uh, 
processes in place to um, you know really field these leads. But I would also say again because of the because of the the reputation we've built and kind of the aesthetic of our brand, most of the people that come to us generally have money, right? And so they're not people that are looking for a fifty dollar logo anymore. Um, these are people that are like, hey, we know that this is going to cost you know a hundred, two hundred thousand dollars to get off the ground. Uh, you know, when can we get started? And so for us, this has been really cool. But like, you know, our you know, close rate in terms of you know how quickly we can you know from the time we talk to an inquiry until the time we close them can be a matter of two days. And these are you know hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollar deals as far as branding is concerned, right? Because that's obviously the first step. But it's because we have that trust that it just makes it so easy for us to grow it. Wow, that's really cool. That's amazing. It's weird sometimes. I'm like, oh my gosh, why is this so easy? <laughs> it's it blows my mind. Um, but it's uh, I know why it is. But it's just it's it's hard to believe that it's hard to believe that that's what that's what I have. And and yeah, it's just it's really interesting. I don't know. It's hard to explain. <laughs> you know, we've um, my agency, uh, Murmur Creative, we've work with some different cannabis brands and uh, we had a few different relationships that were sort of on shaky ground. And I feel like it's because it is such a new industry and there are a lot of people starting out with lot, not a lot of business knowledge. It can be sort of a little bit touch and go. Um, seems like you've maybe grown out about of that a little bit, but um, you probably experienced it earlier on. I mean, are we talking really about the ebb and flow of kind of the agency life? Well, yeah. I mean, you know, one of the cannabis brands that we worked were working with, we were waiting for months basically on on certain design things that we were going to produce for them because they didn't know if they were going to be able to be a viable business because of some of the laws that were getting passed in Oregon. So that sort of thing, you know, obviously it's not going to affect, you know, more established industry um, as much. No, and I mean, the industry is maturing much more. And I think when you understand the industry well enough companies will feel a lot more comfortable giving you their money mm -hmm. you know it's kind of like who is the least riskiest solution yeah right um and i kind of i kind of look at it like that because you know companies are like okay i could lose all of this money or i could choose an agency that has done this successfully for hundreds and hundreds of brands for over the last 10 years yeah rather than feeling like they're constantly being sold Rather than they coming, they're coming to us and going, okay, not only do I get to work with a good branding agency, but I also get to learn, right? And and that's really what we want people to feel like they're doing when they kind of enter and exit. You know, our agency is we just learned a lot from Wick and Mortar. Now we can carry that experience on into the brand we build to the customers who sell it to. That's great. Well, thank you. Um, do you ever work with non-marijuana businesses? I have, but it's, it's, you know, music artists and things like that. Um, athletes, you know, we work with a lot of former NFL athletes, uh, NBA players, but you know, again, most of these people are now transitioning into cannabis. And so we're helping them build their CBD brands and, and, and things of that nature. It's, it's really interesting. You know, we, we did, we did a brand for, um, you know, an insurance company, uh, not that long ago called Ashura. Uh, so that was a non-cannabis company and it was for a friend, not something we would put in our portfolio, but definitely something that we are willing to do if it makes sense. Um, but generally, you know, we get to pick and choose our work right now and we have no shortage of leads coming in. So we're really just focused on, you know, creating 
meaningful brands in the cannabis industry. My mission from day one, Chris, has always been, you know, to change the perception of cannabis on a global level, one brand at a time. So I need to try and touch as many of those as I can in order to make that happen. <laughs> That's cool. Now, um, you mentioned a little bit earlier about, you know, eventually selling the business. Um, do you have, you know, an agreement with your leadership team about, you know, what's eventually going to happen with the business? Oh, yeah. I'm extremely transparent with them about what I'd like to do. And again, ultimately, my goal after selling wouldn't be to necessarily leave. Um, it would just be to be comfortable, really comfortable, mm -hmm. and have the resources to make an even larger impact on the industry. So uh, the whole point of me, you know, creating uh, a thought leadership program within my own agency from a comp company culture perspective is so that when I do decide to do that, I'm not, not, you know, my team is, they're all seen as thought leaders. Why would you want to get rid of a thought leader? Gotcha. I'm kind of seen in the industry uh, as a bit of a kingmaker. And I hate saying that out loud because it sounds silly. <laughs> but, you know, when, when you write for all of these publications and you speak at all of these conferences and you have the relationships I have, you know, it makes it really easy for me to say, hey, Chris, how would you like to speak at a conference with me? Um, sure. Okay, cool. Well, now you're on a circuit with me. Now I'm taking you on every conference I go to. And, and before you know it, you're a thought leader. Um, at, or I link you up and I say, hey, um, put together, I want you to write an article uh, with me on this topic and we'll co-write it. And so I'll submit that to Entrepreneur and I'll get you, you know, a co-writing opportunity, right? And then that can turn into your own, you can be, become your own contributor. And so it's just understanding the mechanics of, you know, PR and, and positioning as from, from a personal branding perspective and even understanding social media and LinkedIn and how that how you can how you can make that beneficial to your you know personal growth. I mean all sorts of things. So that's um you know, that's what I that's what I'm working on. And and so I'm not too worried about it. They're pretty excited about it too. Cool. When do you feel like you realized that it was, you know, that that this agency was really gonna take off? That you really had your finger on something? I you know I I keep feeling like I'm having those moments all the time <laughs> because something else happens. You know, I'm, I'll talk to, you know, the creative director at FX networks and we're talking about compressed branding projects or, you know, I'm talking to the creative director, uh, Seth Green's company, you know, they, they create robot chicken and, you know, we're, we're, we're having a conversation about doing some interesting collaborations. It's like, I, I don't know if I feel like I'm there yet. And I think it's good to say that because it keeps me feeling mm -hmm. a little bit more humbled. You know, there are people that have been branding and in the branding and advertising world much, much longer than I have. So I don't at all claim to be the smartest person, you know, in the branding and marketing space. But when it comes to cannabis, I am an expert in that. And so, you know, I'm still, you know, here to learn from as many smart people as I possibly can, which is obviously why I listen to your podcast. <laughs> and um, I'm on, you know, your Slack channel. So, you know, I, I find it interesting, you know, learning from other people being open to learning from other people, help people that may not have even been in the industry or in branding as long as I have. I think you can learn anything from anybody at any time. A good friend of mine told me, um, uh, you know, the teacher will appear when the student is ready. And that always stuck, that always stuck with me. Um, I think it's pretty obvious what that means, but you, know, you can learn anything from anybody at any time, so long as you're willing to listen and learn. I love that. That's awesome. 
Um, what about your competition? Um, you know, other agencies, either, you know, large agencies that are sort of, you know, creating cannabis, um, a cannabis focus or, you know, um, smaller agencies that want to just focus on cannabis. Um, is there, do you feel that at all? No, not really. I mean, um, the way we look at it is, you know, we're here to help our, cl our clients grow, right? If you came to us with a name that you couldn't legally use, uh, you know, we're going to help you identify how to avoid costly mistakes, you know, from an intellectual property perspective. And so it's most of the companies that come to us again are already funded, right? They, they already know what they want. And so they, they're coming to Wick and Mortar to hire us, not to necessarily vet us, right? Um, because we're already out there. So it's, it's kind of a, it's, it's really different for us. Um, but the competitors that we have, I mean, there are some out there. Um, I've seen several cannabis focus agencies, uh, you know, drop off the map just because they are unable to remain sustainable. Um, so it's, I don't worry about it too much. I think we have such a strong position in the space. I'm, I mean, let's put it this way. I, I never, I'm never going to say that I don't think someone could, um, you know, come into the market with millions of dollars and, you know, market the shit out of themselves, excuse my language and, and, you know, find a way to really compete with us. But, you know, no one's really doing that yet. And I think it's because of just our footprint, our relationships, um, our, yeah, I mean, just all of the content we're pushing out there, it would be, it would be, I, I would be really impressed if someone could come out the gate that strong and i would love to give them a high five but I, <laughs> i'm not i'm not too worried about it you know i'm just gonna i'm just worried about making sure that my team is happy um making sure that we're functioning and operating and our clients are happy and our partners are happy and you know as long as i maintain that we can't go wrong i mean i yeah. certainly there's plenty of room in this industry for more agencies to come to the space so like have at it you know go for it. Um, uh, it's challenging, uh, which is why a lot of agencies don't enter into the space because they're like, um, well, I thought this was, I thought I could market here. I thought I could market there. Wait, you can't do pay-per-click advertising. Wait, how do, how do they don't know how to get the products in Amazon? I mean, there's so many things. So it's, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a good, it's a good place to be. That's actually kind of leads right into my next question is, is what are some of those big challenges that, um, your agency faces? Well, the rules and regulations in the industry change on a regular basis. So we have to be constantly monitoring, um, you know, where the industry's at with respect to specific states or provinces or countries, right? And so when you're, you know, building global brands and you're transcending them in from the United States into Canada or perhaps the UK or Spain or Colombia or, you know, Australia, you need to understand how to do that safely. So I think like, you know, that has been a huge challenge because again, regulations differ from, you know, place to place, but creating a brand that allows it to expand into those other places, given how different the rules and regulations are is really hard. Do you have uh, relationships with lawyers to sort of help you manage some of that stuff? Absolutely. Um, you know, and I've kind of had to play a little lawyer myself, you know, when you start to do this, when you've been doing this now for as long as I have, you, you start to learn all of the things because it's, it's fairly, it becomes a little templatized, right? Because you're working with the same types of clients. You know, I'm not, I'm not working with 
every type of company in you know, every every type of you know company in in the world, right? And we're talking about very cannabis specific, so it's a lot easier for us to develop kind of a just a, a you know a templatized approach to certain things. If that makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. I mean, it just seems like such a great argument for working in a niche because it's you know there there is sort of a relatively finite amount of information, you know, I mean, this is a rapidly changing industry, but at the same time, the fact that you've been so thoroughly exposed to it puts you at such an advantage. Well, I think the biggest issue that I'm seeing in the industry today is just efficacy, right? You know, a lot of brands exist with the intent of getting you high, right? Without really including any level of social responsibility or um, value proposition, right? What is the driver? What is make? What's going to make that product stand the test of time? So it bothers me to see so many products out there with very little intention in terms of, you know, who their product is designed for. Right, right. You don't see beer brands saying we'll get you drunk. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right. You know, and people tend to look at you know the potency of cannabis as a way to dictate price, but when you look at Everclear, man, that shit is nasty. Yeah, and it's really inexpensive, and it doesn't feel good in the morning either. Um, so you know, it's there's a huge issue with education, and and so there there are a lot of things that still need to be kind of massaged and fixed as the industry grows and evolves. But that's what I'm here for. I'm here to help brands, you know, uh, help others understand you know, how the world works from from this uh, from the plant. So I always like to ask um, agency owners if they have a favorite tool, um, software tool that they use and rely on. Is there anything that uh, that you can't live without? Gosh, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if there is for me, you know, there are many different pieces of software. I mean, uh, I use Pipedrive for my deals. Uh, I use Asana for you know certain types of task management. Um, I use Google Drive to manage assets and you know projects and things of that nature and then we use uh, Trello uh, for the design team um, just because they found that that's a lot easier for them uh, we use slack yeah. to co communicate internally um, let's see we use uh, grammarly a lot to make sure that my emails look good <laughs> you know one password uh, is great for managing uh, you know, passwords from a, you know, a, a user base perspective. Yeah. Um, so that's been really helpful. You know, Zapier, uh, LinkedIn, um, you know, from, from my phone, you know, I would say, gosh, what do I have on here? DocuSign, huge help. Uh, yeah. I mean, all, you know, and then of course the, the Google suite. So those are, those are some of the things. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. We use a lot of the same tools. So my last question for you is if you could provide, you know, three bits of advice, three tips for other agency owners that, you know, are interested in working in a niche, what sort of advice would you give to them in, in order to, um, you know, focus on a specific industry and really take advantage of it? Yeah, I would say the first thing is network, 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 get out of the house, meet people. Um, you know, that is been huge for me, uh, you know, and kind of segue from there, I'd say, you know, when you're going to network, go to conferences, go to a lot of them. And when you have the opportunity to ask questions at the end, don't be afraid to do that because 
that's what gets you noticed. If you're the guy or girl that says, hey, I'm, I'm Jared Mursky, I'm CEO and founder of Wick and Mortar, the largest cannabis-focused creative agency in the world, I just wanted to ask you know, the speakers a question, right? So that gives you a platform during someone else's spotlight to talk about who you are just for that brief moment, mm -hmm. but to ask a question that is also so insightful that it creates um, a conversation. So I found that to be really cool and opportunity. Um, you know, I would also say like, if you're not active on LinkedIn, do it, be active. You know, I, I started really just following and requesting people that I thought would be really into my content. So like <laughs> all of the creative directors that work at agencies that can't touch cannabis, I knew they would be into my stuff. Um, and then, you know, cannabis consultants, I knew they would be into it. And then, you know, um, investors in the cannabis industry, uh, uh, brands, and I just really kind of started there. And, and again, I knew that the engagement would come from the creatives, which would uh, become more evident to them the businesses I was targeting. And before I knew it, uh, it just it just blew up through uh, uh, LinkedIn. I made I've made some of my most valuable connections ever. From a PR perspective, it's really helped create visibility for me. Uh, and then you know I would say the third thing create videos and, and share it with people, you know, create conversations and ask questions. Um, that is really what creates strong engagement. People want to answer those questions. So ask them. Um, and, and I think that's really about it is, you know, just build your focus on building your personal brand, um, you know, LinkedIn and, uh, you know, network and don't be afraid to speak up. It's how you get noticed. Awesome. Thanks so much, Jared. That was really insightful. And yeah, it really made me think about how important it is and how valuable it can be to really know, you know, the the vertical that you're working in and the, the you want to focus on, as well as just, you know, the value of build, building your personal brand. I encourage everyone who's listening to check out, um, there's a bunch of articles that um, Jared has been interviewed in and other podcasts as well. I could probably add some of those links to the show notes. Um, also check out uh, Wick and Mortar. Is it wickandmortar.com, Jared? Yep. Yep. W-I-C-K-A-N-D-M-O-R-T-A-R. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining me. You bet. Thanks for having me. This is awesome. I've always wanted to talk to you. So here we are having a podcast and you know you're getting insight from me which is super cool because i get so much from you and i can't thank you enough for having me on your show uh, making me a part of your brand because again i think it is awesome um and uh yeah i'm excited to hopefully do this again soon awesome sounds great cool take care